Our scripture reading today is from Acts chapter 8, verse 1 through 25. And our sermon today is entitled, The Book of Acts, The Ministry of Philip. This is the Lord's word. And Saul approved of his, Stephen's, execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. But there was a man named Simon, who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him, because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God, In the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may be received, may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that, see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. Good morning, everyone. Why don't you say hello to one another once again? Just look around you. Say hello. Hello to those who are online as well. 
We praise God that we are gathered here together to worship our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know what your week has been like. Perhaps it's been just a vanilla week, day by day, just doing what you've already done. Perhaps it's been a great week. Perhaps you've gotten good news. Perhaps a relationship has blossomed. Or perhaps this week was a difficult week for you when you had to face yourself in the mirror and realize that there are things that I need to change about myself, that the Lord has convicted you of. Whatever your week may have been, know that God's timing is perfect. And know that whatever God is teaching you or has been teaching you, that God will give you the grace and the mercy to follow through. Just trust and obey. Just trust and obey. Doubt yourself instead of doubting the Lord. Doubt your wisdom instead of doubting God's ways. There are often times in our lives when we grow as Christians, and a lot of us here are logical people. We want the reason of why God is doing something in our lives, and we want an explanation before we follow the Lord. But oftentimes, God's command to us is simple. Just obey me. Just obey me. For in that act of obedience will follow your knowledge of me and your growth in me. You see, God is not only a God of reason, but God is a God above reason as well. Because our relationship with God is not based on some criteria. We don't look at God and say, God, I will follow you if you are like X, Y, and Z. And if you're able to love me like A, B, and C. It's not like we're following, trying to find a spouse and say, okay, here's, here's a list of what I want for my spouse. Any reason or criteria that you build upon following God, well, you're not really following God anymore. You're following your criteria. And your criteria can't save you. And so God often reminds us that I'm a person. I'm your God. Trust me. Wherever I'm leading you, just trust me. Even if it's beyond your reason, even if it's contra to what you're thinking right now, just trust me. And surely I will lead you in paths of salvation. Many of you here are gathered today, and I'm, I'm just joyful that you're here. Each of your individual hearts, God knows. I don't know. But I know that God works here. And God works in this ministry. And God works through his word and through this worship. So praise the Lord. Wherever you are in your faith. Praise the Lord. That his love for you is perfect. Now in this passage today we see something that is contra 
reason for us. You see, in the beginning of Acts, everyone was really excited. All the people had come to pilgrimage in Jerusalem, all the Jewish Christians from different parts of the world who came from different languages and were second generation, third generation Jewish people had come together to worship their God, Yahweh. But the Holy Spirit had come upon the apostles and they began to preach the good news of Christ to all. And everyone heard. And thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people came to know Jesus. All of a sudden, people who came to, to worship God, a, a, a God of the Jews, came to worship Christ himself. Came to see that the, the sacrifices that they came to make were no longer necessary. In a lot of ways, the economy of Jerusalem was thrown upside down. Those who were selling sacrifices couldn't sell anymore. Those who were, who were trying to sell souvenirs couldn't sell anymore. Because the apostles were preaching that all you need to do was to repent and believe, and salvation belonged to you. And the men and women there who came to know Christ began selling everything they had. And with the money that they received, they were able to feed all the pilgrims who had come. They were able to house them as well. And everyone was rejoicing in the Lord. This is what we think about when we think of revival. Acts chapter 6. Stephen, the deacon, is persecuted. Acts chapter 7, sorry. Is persecuted and then stoned. The first martyr, a deacon, Someone who was called simply to, to be, make sure that the daily allowance of the bread and the food was given to the widows. But a man who was called by the Holy Spirit, who was still capable, more than capable, of preaching the gospel, the good news. And as he was stoned, great fear came upon the people of God. Now, if we were writing the story, as innocent as we may be, we would like to see a pillar of fire come down and a voice thundering from the clouds saying, you do not know what you are doing. For these men belong to me, and Christ, my son, has been given for you for salvation. Repent and believe. And the story would go on. Like that's that's a great story. That's how the way I would write it. But in Acts chapter eight, what happens? Everyone scatters out of great fear. Only the apostles remained in Jerusalem, but everyone else scattered. They scattered to parts of Judea and parts of Samaria. For the martyrdom of Stephen was a cause of the great revival to the ends of the earth. For even when something as evil and horrible as someone's death, God can turn into something that is redemptive and glorifying to him. 
Christ is the, the measure that we have of that. And when we see the history of the church, we see that Christ's pattern of death and resurrection also applies to the church history as a whole and us as individuals too. For we think in retrospect, if Stephen wasn't martyred, would these people have gone out to the world? Maybe, maybe not. But we know because of his death, these people went to the ends of the earth as predicted in, as predicted in Acts 1 to preach the gospel. And so for all of us, when there is evil that comes into our lives, when there are things that God does that turns our lives upside down, yes, we lament like they did over Stephen. Yes, we are saddened as they were over this great persecution. But we always look for redemption. What is God doing? How will he use this great evil for his glory? Now, in this passage, we see that, that God had raised up another person and has given us this testimony of this man named Philip. Now, Philip is not Philip the Apostle. Remember, the Apostles stayed in Jerusalem. This was Philip, one of the deacons that was assigned in Acts chapter 6. So again, we have the Apostles in the beginning, Acts chapter 1 through 5, filled with the Holy Spirit, preaching. Then we see in Acts chapter 6 and 7, the deacons, and we see Stephen in Acts chapter 8, we see another deacon, Philip, filled with the Holy Spirit, able to teach and preach the gospel. Where? Not in Jerusalem, not in Judea, but in Samaria. The gospel is going out. And the gospel is going out through who? Not one of the apostles who, who we would think, we think, send Peter out, send John out, send James out. No, God's going to send out another deacon named Philip. And so God always, always does the unexpected. And I know some of you out there play video games and things like that. And, and the object of video games is what? You... you Get it, whatever characters you get, you try to, to maximize their strengths and whatever to go into battle. And, and it's pretty easy. Whoever has the most whatever points, whatever, they're the ones who go, and they're the ones who will win most of the time. That's not the way God works. And in fact, when we look at our church, we look at the people around us, it's the weak that God always uses, not the strongest. 
those who have nothing that God works, those who are meek, lowly of heart, that God will use to share the me his message. And I dare say that is all of us who know the Lord. To be meek and to simply let the gospel be the gospel. You've heard me say this before. God does not need celebrities to come to know Jesus to spread his word. God does not need famous people to be on TMZ to share God's word. That is not the way God has ever worked. God just needs people like you and me, nameless people, who go and share the word of God. And that's who Philip was. And to be honest, when I was preparing this, I thought I had always read that this Philip was, was Philip the Apostle. <laughs> but then as I was studying, I was like, oh, no, it's not the Apostle. It's, it's the deacon going off sharing the word of God in Samaria. Our first indication of the gospel going forth. In a sense, he is sort of the, the pre-missionary who went out because of the great persecution of God. Now, when he was in Samaria, people were getting baptized. People were hearing the word, men and women, and they were coming to him. And there was great joy that was being, uh, being seen. <coughs> and, excuse me. There was great joy that was, uh, that was being seen. And Simon the magician, one of the people, came to, to Philip and, and heard the news, and he himself was baptized as well. And he was numbered as one of those who came to believe. And then two of the apostles, led by Peter, came down to sort of check out what was happening. And we're going to see this as a theme through the book of apostles. And you're going to see just how human um, Peter especially was. Because even though the Lord himself taught him that the gospel would go to the ends of the earth, even though Jesus himself taught them that the gospel must go to the Gentiles, Peter still did not yet fully grasp the gospel. And I want you to be encouraged by that, because as we go through this, you'll see that all of us are still always growing in understanding the gospel. But they came down to see whether or not what was happening was true. Were people in Samaria, probably most of them not Jewish, were they coming to know Jesus? And they were. And Peter, in a moment of faith, said, well, no, we, they've been baptized in the name of Jesus. Now they need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now let me stop here. There's a misunderstanding of this passage. In our world today, in our Christian circle today, there, 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 are, there are ministries that will teach you that you need to be baptized in Jesus, then be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That there are two distinct baptisms that the people of God have to go through. During my ministry, ministry when I was ministering to college students, we, 
we had this controversy all the time. It's like people were baptized in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. But then there were these other ministries who were saying, you believe in Jesus, but that's not enough for your salvation. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the sign for them for being baptized in the Holy Spirit was the, was the ability to speak in tongues, the ability to prophesy, the, the ability to do special, extraordinary things. And, and, they, and they get this from mostly from the book of Acts itself and some from 1 Corinthians as well. But there's a misunderstanding of that, of, of that understanding, especially here in the book of Acts. And especially if you continue to read the rest of redemptive history. Remember, there are some gifts and some signs that God does for a specific purpose. And some of these signs are transformed into something else. When we read First and Second Timothy and Titus, the Apostle Paul doesn't, go or doesn't say to the people, you must now find those who will become the next apostles. No, there are no more apostles. There's no one like Peter and John who can speak with full authority. There's no one like Peter and John and these apostles and these, and these special deacons who are able to heal at a moment's notice. That office had faded away, and Paul was saying, find yourself elders and deacons of much wisdom, of good repute, not quarrelsome, able to lead their families well, and let them lead the church. Here as well, we have a special time of redemptive history where God himself pours out his spirit and allows the people of God to have the fullness of God's blessing that they may at this point, at this juncture, go out and spread the good news of Christ. You see, when they were baptized both in the name of Jesus and then in the Holy Spirit, they were two separate things at that time. And what God was trying to show them was that eventually these two are one the same thing. One is simply a sign. And the Holy Spirit is a reality. That the Holy Spirit given us now the fullness of our, of our understanding and of our faith in Christ and knowing Christ fully, unequivocally, knowing that he be I belong to him being empowered as the apostles were to go forth and spread the good news of Jesus with power. But today, we don't do that. Because today, in our time, in our age, the Holy Spirit comes upon you when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That there is no special dispensation by the Holy Spirit God does not say, I'm going to save you part one, and I'm going to save you part two. God does not say your first baptism is like an engagement, and your second baptism is like a marriage. When you come to know Christ, you have come to know Christ fully. 
And what was seen, what was separated in the book of Acts is simply one and the same thing. For none of you, none of us can proclaim that Lord belongs to me without the Holy Spirit of God. None of us. And second of all, if we did believe in the second baptism, it is nothing like what's here. Because none of you can prophesy and say this is the word of God. None of you. None of you could heal at a moment's instant if you wanted to. None of you. But this was a special time. And I implore you to understand that this time is special extraordinary but all of these apostles were looking forward to the time of this church right here this is more extraordinary than the time of Pentecost and the time of the early church why? because all of you now have the word of God in its complete form You can read about God's will anytime. You don't need to find a New Testament prophet or an apostle to, to keep explaining. Everything's right before you. This is a special time. Why? Because the Holy Spirit now has fully manifested upon you that all of you can go forth and tell people the word of God without a special spirit coming, without the special time of the Holy Spirit coming of you to give you the knowledge to go forth. You live in the fullness of time, according to the apostles. You are fully blessed now. Let us never, ever look at contempt with our time of redemptive history or long for the way God worked in the past. But let's always rejoice in the way God works today and follow him. Now Simon the magician was, was <coughs> himself was, was baptized, but we see that his understanding of the faith was, was twisted. Because he saw that when, when, when Peter would, would baptize, that these people would, would do magnificent things. And, and Simon said, give me that power. And he was rebuked. Rebuked harshly. And told to repent. The power of God that even we have today is not used for our own gain. It's not used for the gain of the church. The economy of God is not such that God gives us power that we can exercise power and see great things being done. The economy of God goes more like this. God gives us power that we can see that we have no power. Let me say it again. The economy of today is God gives us power and knowledge 
to see that we have no knowledge and we have no power except Christ alone. And it is in that knowledge out of weakness with God's power that God blesses his church and God blesses his people. And we are simply witnesses. May I dare say sometimes we're just bystanders of what God is doing. You know, texting some of my friends, we were talking a little bit about sort of parenting and things like that. And as parents, you often feel you do your best. But you often feel as if you are just there watching your kids and helpless. And you're just asking the Lord, Lord, work in my kids. But it's that way in every relationship with your adult parents, with your friends, with your colleagues. God gives you power to see that you are powerless. Simon wanted to see power so that he can use power for gain for himself. That is not what God does when he blesses his people. Now, he's told to repent. We're, we're not, we don't know what happens next in this story. Perhaps he repents and he becomes of this great witness for the Lord. We don't know. But all we do know is this, is that this is actually normal. And that's this is my final point. We see the church start and everything's going great. Great persecution. All right. People are sent out. Philip goes and preaches the gospel in Philip, to, in Philip, in um, Samaria. Thank you, Samaria. I was going to say Philippi, in Samaria. Um, it says that everyone is coming to know the Lord and they're being baptized. This is the first glimpse of someone who was baptized in the Lord, that we get a glimpse of someone who says the wrong thing, who we question whether or not they actually know God. And we have to understand as, as, the, as this goes forward, and as we look at our church today, that that's actually a normal part of God's, of God's redemptive history. That's a normal part of being part of a church. And what's normal here is what the apostles do, what Philip does, what, what everyone does, is that they call them back and say, repent. Come to the Lord. It's not pointing fingers, you're not a believer, get out of here. It's not one of judgment. It's one of a call once again of warning and, and love for Simon to repent. This is the normal workings of a church. This is the normal workings that, that we're starting to see slowly from the time of Pentecost working out in the church today. 
we start to see a little bit of the messiness. Now, Jaina became a member today. <coughs> Last week, we had Luna baptized into this church. And we receive members with joy. We, we do. When God adds, we, we, we're always joyful. But we're also always prayerful as well, are we not? That God himself would sanctify us. For those of you here who are looking to join CCPC or or any, any church, I will dare say to you that you are welcome here, and you should be welcome at any church with all your burdens and with all your issues. You might be just like Simon, and it's okay. That's why I say I don't expect you to come to this church as a finished product, as a perfect product. <laughs> none, of, none of us are. I only expect you to come here proclaiming that I believe in the Lord and his power and that I will do my best to follow Jesus, to live a life of repentance and faith. I'll just do my best. For that is what the people of God are. Praise be to the Lord that he works in mysterious ways. wherever you are in your life, whatever God has placed as a burden, as a challenge, as a thing that needs intensive prayer. I know you're in anguish, but pray, for God indeed is faithful. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for in all things you are good. We thank you, Lord God, for the apostles and people like Peter and John who in the early church uh, were the pillars, Lord God. Those who stayed in Jerusalem and those who kept the sanctity of the truth of the gospel. But we thank you that you send people out, Lord God, to share the good news. We thank you that you send someone like Philip, Lord, a deacon, probably a Greek-speaking Jew, Lord God, not one of the original apostles, not someone who, who lived with you and, and saw all the things that you have done, but someone who just came to know you, that this man, Philip, the, the evangelist, that's the history calls him, that you show him that someone who has known you for such little time can make such a great impact. And so we ask of you, Lord God, to... Work that same work in us, Lord. Forgive us when we look for special blessings or special dispensations of your power. You have given us all that we need. Help us not to be distracted, Lord God, by these things, but help us to live faithfully towards you, to love you and to love others, Lord God, in a way that demonstrates the power of Jesus. We thank you, and in your name we pray. Amen.